0: Hey, gang, welcome to Big Brother and the Hodeling Company, which is a podcast about music and Web3 and trying to fend off Big Brother. I'm McKegan Voice. Today I spoke with Martin Walraven. Martin has a PhD in history and works at the intersection of music and media. He is co project lead for the Water and Music Academy, the co editor of Music X. a newsletter on music tech and is head of operations at symphony.live which is a streaming video platform created in collaboration with some of the world's leading symphonic orchestras he also just started wild awake which is a new music project focused on building scenes that uses web3 technology we discussed the importance of scenes and of composers and artists who grant creative license to others that create as well as the correlation between music and identity, and the importance of designing for deeper relationships in a world that still prioritizes the follower count. Hope you all enjoyed the conversation. Here we go. Hey, Martin, it's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so, as always, I, I like to start at the beginning and just hear a little bit about where you grew up and and you know when your relationship with music began.
1: It's interesting because I think. Everybody's relationship with music is sort of always at the beginning, right? Um, I hope. I mean, yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> um, I was just remembering earlier today that um, for, my, for my PhD, I read a lot of these um, working-class autobiographies from people in England, um, sort of born the late 19th, early 20th century, and then written around sort of the, the 30s, of of the 20th century um and they all have uh, most of them like the vast majority of them have a a sound as their first memory Hmm. so it would be like clogs or you know a knocker upper or something like that um and so yeah i think the first music is always it's always special um but yeah i think like for me it just started when i was a teenager and started becoming a fan of things and going to parties and dancing and going to gigs and you know music becomes this intrinsic part of your life that way yeah no absolutely
0: do you subscribe to you know the cajun you know sort of thought that that everything we do is music yes yes okay yeah yeah
1: any yeah any sound can be can
0: be music yeah mm, mm, yeah and what was you know what were these first these first musics that were bringing you to clubs that were you know around you, you know, as a teenager what were you know what were your first musical loves the kind of skate pop punk you know
1: green day no effects style music um, which led into stuff like nine inch nails um cool i was a lot into trip hop Hmm. Port set, massive attack Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff um and then drum and bass techno um yeah and and then it just got weirder and weirder
0: (laughs) that's amazing i love it i think we share at least of what you've mentioned a pretty similar sonic palette um yeah, and Portishead and Nine Inch Nails were two two of my early music loves as well. And uh, like you I think it just you know continued to get weirder from from there. So at what point did that love for music and your interest in music, you know, translate into uh, an interest in pursuing it um, in, you know, more of a professional capacity?
1: Um so I guess I kind of
0: because I never learned to play
1: an instrument. Hmm. Um, I was never sort of I never had the discipline to actually learn something properly. Hmm. I started learning probably about eight different instruments, but I never wow. really got to grips with any of them. Um, but I did sort of want to do stuff with music, so I started working at venues and and festivals and that sort of stuff. Um, and then while at university. I realized you could also write about music <laughs> and think exactly. about music and sort of think about the impact that music has on society and on people. Um yeah, so then
0: that 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 started then. Hmm. And what was your first foray into into that? You you studied history, that was the focus of your PhD, right?
1: Yeah, I did a PhD in history in the end. Hmm. Um But I started with um, uh, what you would call cultural studies. And um, I wrote essays about sort of music and diaspora communities, Hmm. um, music and sort of identity, a lot about music and identity. My bachelor's thesis was on noise and identity. And then, um, yeah, that was sort of the first things. And then, then I got really into philosophy and ethics uh, and sort of, yeah, the whole identity question, um, and just how music works, basically, which is, mm. of course, the title of a book um, by David yeah. Byrne as well. Yeah, um, but sort of, yeah, those questions I found very intriguing um like how you would like music is organized sound Mm -hmm. um what does that mean you know um and we listen to a lot of music um when we kind of identify with certain musics as well um but we never really we never really make anything out of that and that's probably because it the sound is just ephemeral right it just disappears Hmm. um so it doesn't have lasting value in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that 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 was the sort of thing that I was really interested in. Um, and that okay. I was eager to kind of explore from a very philosophical perspective. Yeah. Um, and then later on, I kind of veered away from that. Because if you want to properly study music, then you need to understand the notes. And I don't understand the notes. <laughs> um, tried again to learn, but I failed. Um, So um, then during my PhD, the first idea was sort of like how street musicians um, organized the way that people Mm. moved around sort of urban areas in rapidly industrializing cities. Hmm. Um, But then as historians do, you go to the archive and you find many, many different things than the thing you set out to find. Hmm. Um, So it became much broader and it just became about sound more generally, Hmm. not just the music of street musicians.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what was your thesis when you first started to to explore uh, the intersection of music and identity or sound and identity? Um, or, or you know, as you studied with your bachelor's initially, noise, and I'm curious how that evolved. I imagine there's, uh, you know, that there's an element to that, that, you know, when you're out to follow street musicians in urban areas that, that you know, where where something like identity plays you know, a huge role in you know, kind of the makeup of, of that. I'm curious to hear how your thesis you know, kind of originated and, and how it evolved over time.
1: In the beginning, I was very interested in sort of especially when I, when I was writing my bachelor's thesis on noise and identity. It was about sort of how do people, you know, use this music that looks for sonic boundaries to kind of, identify themselves as people who are sort of boundary-pushing, right? Hmm. They've, they themselves also must think of themselves as, as these people who sit sort of on the edges of society. Right. Um, and how does that then express itself in the music again? Hmm. Uh, and that sort of gave me the... the how do you say this? That sort of gave me the notion of understanding that connection between music, music as sound, sound as music, and the way that people sort of construct the world that they, that they live in. Um, and then I became more interested in sort of making that, finding expressions of that in the physical world. Um, and a lot of this stuff happens in cities. Um, so yeah, that sort of that and then history <laughs> <laughs> um, led me into a kind of, uh, yeah, I was just intrigued by these songs that I found, um, which were ways to, you know, tell news just how news spread, news spread through songs in the, you know, centuries ago and up to the 19th century. Um, If something happened in, I studied Britain and Germany, so if something happened in like London or maybe in Munich or something, Hmm. then people would write a song about it and it would travel up to Manchester or it would travel up to like Dusseldorf or something. Right. Um, And it would find its way much, much later and people would be singing about something that happened a long time ago. yeah the 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 way that these so these street musicians whether they were realizing this or not kind of played into a lot of things right so if they were singing songs to sell things for example if people were singing songs to sell tomatoes they hmm. would they would make rounder they would use rounder words words that make round sounds hmm. um which would then trigger people to go like oh i want that thing um, <laughs> yeah. this all becomes very neurological but um mm. yeah i i, I tried to kind of create
0: um connections like that hmm. oh it's amazing do you i'm curious if you see see that still happening today obviously you know the industry is completely different and there is i don't know how many more times more music at the at this point that it's really hard to kind of trace things like that i'm curious if you you know if your study extended to you know kind of the spotify age you know of music and if you still see those those like neurological tendencies of you know like if you have something to sell or talk about matching the physiology with with the actual music itself or like using it as a way to, to disseminate news, for instance, um, or, or like any semblance of those things today.
1: I mean, yeah, for sure it still happens. Um, it's just very different. Hmm. Um, also, but the, the way that music spreads now is so different. Right? Right. Um, and the way that we consume music is so different, right? Because there was barely recorded music Right. In the late 19th century. Um, right. And now we're all walking around with headphones, mm-hmm. um, creating our own little sonic worlds. And mm-hmm. it's more about, you know, things like uh, the, the role that, 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 that music plays in the way that people drive, um, you know, and the, 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 the sonic environment of a car, for example, is, is super interesting. And, um, a lot of music has sort of been made to accompany that sort of environment mm-hmm. um so that definitely still happens just different
0: yeah 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 absolutely um yeah and i'm really attracted to that idea also that that you were talking about of of these people who embodied uh you know, the music that they were creating as a boundary pushing, you know, kind of art form and vice versa, I guess, um, they, there was like a symbiosis between those or like between that relationship of, of the person making it and the output and, um, that, that was always, you know, when I wrote for Vice, that was, that was always my beat was writing about like, you know, the weird avant-garde experimentalists who, uh, you know, were out, I mean. In, doing crazy shit that's like, you know, hard to actually define his music in some ways. And that's that's the point. Um, like, like, I remember there's a what's coming to mind right now is like a piece by Alvin Lussier when he plugged like, uh, like these kind of nodes to his brain and tracked the alpha waves that came out of his brain. And that dictated like a drum beat. Um, you know, just like weird, weird conceptual things. And it's not it's not really about the sonic output it's more about like the why the hell are you doing this <laughs> and like what is that yeah mean?
1: And, and a lot of them went a little bit too far mm-hmm. which made it not very pleasant to listen to for right. most people which is also fine of course not, not all music needs to be sort of a pleasant melody mm-hmm. um but yeah a lot of a lot of composers kind of went a little bit too far and then um there's also the kind of Counter urge again, of course, of um, people like uh, Koretsky and Paird, uh, you know, the Eastern European sort of late 20th century composers, um, who made very beautiful melodic mm-hmm. mu- music again, uh, which was much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, A lot of the weird stuff that was happening, yeah. Yeah. Um, which may sound cool conceptually, but.
0: Right. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the true value of a lot of the stuff that didn't sound good—you know, wasn't melodic or even have harmony—really uh, uh, was was interesting because it it inspired other people who were making more popular music to think slightly further and make their music more interesting and expand the kind of the mainstream notion of what music can be. Um, and yeah, that, for sure, like yeah.
1: with. Just
0: synthesizers, even, you know, sure. also
1: happen. So,
0: yeah. 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 Or like, you know, like Lamont Young working, you know, working with the Velvet Underground or something. And, and like, yeah. you know, being able to trace that all the way through music, it's like, you know, we owe those conceptualists a debt because they ultimately, I think, they make music more interesting.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, if those, if, if that sort of influence hadn't happened, then um, the Stooges would have sounded way different. Right.
0: Right. <laughs> Silly things like that. That's cool to trace, that sort of stuff. Totally. Uh and yeah, bearing that in mind and returning, I guess, to to contemporary times. Um I I uh, did an interview with Glenn Bronco once, and we were hanging out at this cafe, and he told me how there's like no there are no more movements. This was like 20, 13 and 2014. And he was convinced that we've just you know we've reached a stasis and nothing interesting happens anymore. <laughs> and uh, sort of like an old man yells at cloud sort of in uh, you know, a sort of perspective in some ways, but I'm cu- it's, it's, it's interesting to think about it. and I'm curious to get your thoughts on what what that kind of conceptual art uh, you know looks like today in music Is it happening at all? and if if so, where is that happening? I
1: want to say that that's definitely still happening, and it probably is. Um, the the question nowadays, of course, is is also sort of who is who is listening, right? Um, hmm. Because there is so much out there. I mean, we all know the numbers, right? A uh, hundred thousand new tracks uploaded to Spotify every day. Yeah, Music Business Worldwide just came out a few days ago saying. Um, most of the music on streaming services now has been released after 2020. Yeah, so just uh... all all these kinds of insane stats about music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have all these apps that make it really easy for people to make music, and if you think about something like BandLab, like more more than 10 million projects are started on BandLab every month. So you know, yeah there's so much music i mean that period that we're sort of talking about is very much about sort of everybody can do this right mm-hmm. um so it's the punk era it's people like the velvet underground um who kind of drew on people who might not necessarily have been the best at their sort of art mm-hmm. um, but they were very good at bonding it together in different ways and creating something that had a lot of impact on people. Um, and now it is seemingly a lot easier to find that sort of scene, um, because you have the internet, right? And you can connect to everybody across the world. So if you like a certain style of music and you live in Uruguay, then you can connect with the person who likes that silly kind of music and who lives in thailand and who lives in new zealand and you can create a forum online and you can hang out and you can connect about the music um at the same time it's much more difficult because there is an overload of information there's so much stuff that you can kind of consume that you might miss very easily what you would want right and there's another interesting thing there i think in the sense that you know we've gone through very western uh dominated music um and now we've suddenly gone from like reggaeton to afrobeats and I'm waiting for the next sort of number one hit to be a Punjabi hmm. Punjabi uh, uh, hit song um that's you know gonna be number one in hundred countries across the world mm-hmm. so you see that sort of spreading out um so maybe that's the new thing right yeah. the new thing is just like okay. The canonical way of thinking about western music is is maybe boring, but there's a lot of
0: other influences that we can draw on It's kind of the globalization of everything coalescing and and being able to borrow from from anything instantaneously and you know recreate and remix um, in you know, kind of infinite ways really easily um, and then, of course. You know, one of the issues with having a hundred thousand songs uploaded to Spotify every day is that, like, maybe we're missing the newest stuff and the most interesting stuff. And it's really, but but yeah, that seems seems like a good segue, I think, in in terms of talking about scenes to discuss your know, new project, which I'm really excited to hear about. So, if you want to, uh, you know, introduce Wild Awake, uh, would love to hear more about what you're doing.
1: Wild Awake is a kind of experiment in scene building, um, using web three blockchain technologies. Um, and this is kind of, a. so I'm doing this together with, uh, with Jamie, who's also known as sound of fractures. He's an artist. Um, he started his kind of web three journey just over a year ago, um, with his first NFTs and it's quite successful as a, as a web three artist. Um, but he's also quite successful as a Web two artist, and his streams are doing okay, and all that sort of stuff. So he's one of those people who's combining that very well. Um, another example would be, for example, Excellencia, who's a mm-hmm. Puerto Rican artist. Um, so there are definitely good examples of of people who are able to combine sort of the the streaming economy with this new um, NFT economy and a lot in this kind of ecosystem, this Web3 ecosystem is about sort of the success of a few people and um, we think like Jamie and I think that it's very important to to build a community um, and to do things together instead of doing them by yourself. Um, And we kind of want to We just wanted to put our money where our mouth is, right? And see if we can kind of actually do this thing. So we take inspiration from, you know, culturally relevant labels like Warp Records, Young Turks, uh, Ninja Tune, uh, but also Web3 communities like Wave World or Future Surf um, and see if we can kind of take a music that's not sort of Super popular on the blockchain yet, which is alternative electronic music, which is sits very closely, of course, to what, what Jamie makes the sound of fractures. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a music that I, I love as well. Um, so we found sort of five artists, and we're working with a platform called Token Tracks. Uh, and it's great because they're supporting us. Um, In doing this, um, because they also sort of feel the same way about um, what's sort of needed for music in in Web3 right now, which is that um, we need more interesting places for people to find a home. Um, So we're creating sort of a first digital home for Wild Awake on Token Tracks and allowing sort of these, these five artists that we have to kind of go in and experience what it's like to kind of mint an NFT and do this together. Um, you know, being sort of helped along the way by um people who have sort of done it before or been around um, and have a lot of experience with this sort of stuff. Um and in doing that, like we kind of have a sonic identity, right? Um you know Cool people with great stories like all of the artists involved have wonderful stories because each artist of course has a story right and that's sort of what right. will resonate with listeners um and yeah that's sort of that's sort of the gist of it we just want to we want to see if we can create something a bit different that is about music that is about culture that is less about sort of the pure financialization aspect that blockchain often brings with it and it's more about Mm -hmm. the community building aspects that sort of is more like web three related um and yeah see if we can make viable viable alternatives for artists who are sort of building their careers um and pursuing their dream of becoming you know people who can sort of live off their music
0: cool I mean, that sounds really exciting. I mean, as you know, I, I have my own concerns about the over-financialization of what's happening in music in Web3, I, th- I think. And uh, the more we can lean into you know, community scenes like like this, I think the healthier. So so that's incredible. I'm really happy to, to hear you're doing that. Um, so, so are these artists that you're onboarding, are they people who have some familiarity with the web3 space or are they all coming from outside of
1: it they have some familiarity with crypto some of them um but out of the five we had to help three create a a wallet Hmm. um, which it didn't have yet and um you know help them get their ens which also their first nft um and yeah just to help them along in that way they all were familiar with it so we found them through the kind of web3 grapevine you know um another person who's involved is, is uh cat bassett from oh, nice. uh, water music um she's also helping out and you know one of the artists that she mentors coaches I'm not quite sure what they call it uh via she said so is, is now also in in the wild awake cohort It's oh, called iris cool. l um, so this is somebody, you know, who's been hearing about all of this stuff but hasn't really had the experience of doing it. And um then you have the person who is, you know, yeah, you know, have done some crypto trading in the past couple of years during the bull market, but I don't actually have any NFTs or mm-hmm. thought about releasing my music as an NFT, but always thought it might be interesting to do so. Um so yeah, that's uh it's an interesting sort of. Uh, it's an interesting dynamic, but we really wanted it to be people who,
0: for who, it was going to be their first sort of actual music on the blockchain. Right. So it sounds like it's you know going to be cohort based, yeah. Like this is an initial cohort.
1: Yeah, and so we're starting this with these five people on token tracks. There'll be limited edition NFTs. Um, there's there's probably going to be twelve of them. Um, relatively good, you know, solid price of like ETH is what we're kind of thinking about right now. Um, so that the artist sort of, you know, steps away with like about $400, which is just a nice amount of money to kind of walk away with from such a project. It's not the the, the moon, (laughs) um. But that's sort of also uh, not realistic for most people, right? And that's one of the things we try to do is like, how does this become this realistic, viable, extra? You know, to put it in annoying terms, vertical for people for their for their revenue from their music, um, and how does that sort of fit into the narrative that they're weaving about themselves as musicians? Um, yeah, um, yeah, that that's just sort of uh,
0: where that train of thought went. Cool. And I'm, I'm curious how you're approaching, because uh, I think like what you were alluding to at the beginning in this, this kind of crossover between, you know, like a Web 2 audience and a Web 3 community, I guess, if you want to call it, and uh, use those terms to, to kind of differentiate. Um, I'm curious how you're approaching um, that and kind of what, you know, what success will look like to build, you know, a community. Uh, I mean, that's always something that I'm really curious about because it, it, it is sort of the, um, the most, I think, integral thing an artist or really anyone can do is, is, you know, have community, build community and, and, you know, web three and, you know, tools connected to the blockchain and, um, you know, these ways that people are using to, you know, organize collectively are incredibly fascinating. But, you know, something like community is also very, you know, has to be a very organic process in, you know, in order to manifest. And I'm I'm curious how you're approaching, you know, this cohort and what the process actually looks like to, you know, what's the strategy for, you know, helping artists to build, you know, community? What does the, what does that success ultimately look like? And uh, you know, if you have any thoughts on how you think that will happen.
1: Just to come back to the thing about cohorts as well. What we're trying to do is we're going we're gonna to bring these five artists on chain. Um, and that's sort of the first step for Wild Awake. So we want to see if we can kind of build this brand around Wild Awake. Should probably call it a meme in Web three, right? But um, that will kind of extend beyond that. So it'll be about sort of the good music, but it will evolve into something that includes visual art, that includes graphics, that includes writing. You know, um, that becomes much more of a, a, a cultural a cultural thing. Um, but that always started with with the music, and it will always be about this music and that will always sort of have this sonic identity that people will know, okay. So if I, if this has the wild awake stamp on it, then I know exactly what to expect, basically, um, which is what all the the great labels do as well, of course. Right. Yeah. We're kind of sort of, so one of the cool things about token tracks is that they, they, they already do the whole fiat thing, right? So you can pay in dollars if you want. And, um, so one of the things that I hope is that some of these artists will find a couple of like, maybe just one or two people from their own existing community fan base, whatever you want to call it, um, where they, where they, where they have, you know, where, so they, they can find these people who will pay sort of 30, for 50, 40, $50 for their music. Right. Because that's—I mean, uh, you, you and I both don't like the full financialization of <laughs> that the blockchain brings with it. But mm-hmm. one of the great things, of course, that happened is that um, the whole NFT craze has sort of reevaluated the way that we value music, totally. and what we value about music, right? Absolutely. Um, and I think we should kind of try and keep hold of that. Mm-hmm. Don't make things so cheap that it becomes like a stream, basically. Um, right. But make sure that it stays this thing that creates this
0: this value right yeah i mean it feels like uh to have this new offering that you know with it comes some more intimacy and more closer engagement with an artist it's it's kind of a natural way to segment your audience community fan base again whatever term you want to use in a way that you can't in a place like spotify where you know everybody it's 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 like a one size fits all everybody's you know pays the same price regardless of behavior if i spend you know 20 minutes listening you know in a month i pay 9.99 a month and if if you spend 200 hours listening a month you pay 9.99 a month and uh you know we need ways to create tiers and segmentation for artists to be able to tap into that you know given the absence of any other kind of financial model that they can tap into as yeah I mean there's like I mean I think it's a fine line between uh, being averse or, or at least cautious about like the over financialization that's that's happening uh, you, you know, in this space, but also like not making music, or sorry, not not making money—a dirty word, you know, for musicians. Like, they're not making any money, and they need to, just like other human beings. You know,
1: yeah, and they're all caught in the creator economy of like having to be present everywhere and right. publishing everywhere and creating yeah. content for everything. And, um, I mean, th- to me, this is still one of the the, the super strengths of like the blockchain, right? This the provenance the um, the fact that you can kind of own the stuff that you put out, um, which again is why it's important to use platforms that allow artists to have their own contracts, right, which is another thing that we have with token tracks, so it's like you know you need to kind of think about where you do things and how you do them, and one of the one of the beauties of sort of crypto blockchain is that it allows you to take control of all of that. Um, you know, one thing that I often say to people is like, if you do this, you can set your own metrics, your own metrics for success, right? We're also asking about, um, and you don't have to be sort of going like, Oh, I have this many streams. I have this many followers. I have this many likes. I have this many something that other people provide you as data points. Um, but you can say, okay, so I want to have, you know, my, my metric for success is something totally different. It's like, I want to have, uh, I want to find four people that can help me release my music in India. I don't know. You know, you can think of the weirdest things that you might want to achieve and then, you know, try and, try and manifest that and make that happen instead of sort of saying like, oh, and to make that happen i need a hundred thousand
0: followers right right and i really like that idea where you can you can set your own success you can set your own success metrics and you you have the tools available to you to customize it in any way that you want um yeah i'm curious how you you know how you and jamie first you know first connected and how you know how this came to be So. J- Jamie is also in Watermere
1: Music and I'm in Watermere Music. Right. Um so we're members and we're in the Discord and we're active in the Discord. And then Jamie posted like hey you know I'm releasing my music as an NFT um and I listened to the music and I liked it so bought it. <laughs> <laughs> um and um as was sort of often the case That was as much about sort of supporting the artist as liking the music. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times for me, it was all about sort of, do I like the music? But also, do I like this person? Do I like their story? Do I like the way they kind of, where they sit in the kind of cultural sphere around sort of Web3 music? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, then because my... Twitter is connected to my ENS. Jamie was able to find out that I exist and DM me, <laughs> uh, joined his little uh, community. Um, so that's how we started to talk. And um, yeah, I mean, he reads my newsletter. I listen to his music. Just found out that a lot of stuff that sort of he does influenced what I write about, and what I write about influenced the way that he sort of approaches stuff like community. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then at some point we were like, "We got to do something together," hmm. and then we got the opportunity to do so.
0: Here we are. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, it's a great story of of all of you know these various Web three music communities just kind of overlapping and exposing people, you know, to like minds who are who have similar intentions, just you know coming together and creating something together. I mean, that's, yeah. And That's this great. is
1: also why I don't think it's going to scale so fast. Mm. <laughs> because it's all it's all like this, right? I mm. uh, I know that a lot of people are r- working really hard to create more mass adoption. Yeah, I mean, even the Ethereum Foundation's last sort of grant thing is about, like, let's reach the next billion. Yeah, yeah. It's going to go, like, do you have the first billion yet? But, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, I'm sure that it's going to... It's going to happen and something will be created that will be a lot more frictionless and mm-hmm. you know will will allow people to kind of do that and i think nft ticketing is a great example of that for example you know mm-hmm. for example um but the stuff that we're doing doesn't really scale because it's mm-hmm. all about human connections and you you know you can't have that many of them and you're not supposed to have a hundred million friends <laughs> yeah it's insane yeah so right. if you can kind of get together you know, if you, can think, if you can get 12 people together, mm-hmm. then you're in a fast track. Um, right. And then if you have, you know, there's this guy called CY, CY Lee, um, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he, he says, like, if you get three people together, you have everything you need, right? So you have somebody who can speak, somebody who can listen, and somebody who can react. <laughs> um, and that's sort of, that's how i look at it as well it's like you don't have to think big you can think small and have success like that um mm-hmm. and that's sort of what this whole blockchain stuff is about for me creating those kinds of connections mm-hmm. and that just doesn't scale very well but it, it can be very very it can be very
0: big though <laughs> totally i'm all for you know, putting scale you know you know to the back burner and focusing on creating really strong intimate communities. So cool. I'm for it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that actually reminds me, I saw Jamie post something I think um, I think it was to Lens, uh which, you know, for those people listening who don't know what Lens is, it's uh, kind of a decentralized social graph on top of which people are building social networks and he posted something about how he had shared two pieces of content one was something he kind of considered to be throwaway just like a quick music thing that he created and then one was this like very thoughtful piece that he had started that was based on his i think newborn daughter's heartbeat i, I believe oh and yeah made, yeah yeah and made a song out of, out of that and he and he talked about how you know, the first kind of throwaway thing that he didn't put any thought into was, you know, very superficial, got a lot more engagement than the one that he put all this time in with something as meaningful as like his child's heartbeat, you know, and, and, and that also sort of being a testament to the issue of scale where you, there, there is, you know, very little time, you know, things aren't designed to be engaged with in really deep, meaningful ways. And that's, i worry that we're, if, we, if, if we create everything in the same image of, of before we're not going to make any progress we're just going to create the same thing again
1: yeah i have a lot of thoughts about that but um, i think it i have a, a different example from my own experience right so if i write music x and i i've been working mm-hmm. on it for weeks and mm-hmm. it's like a great argument it's also a finished argument right so I put that out into the world and I don't actually get that much responses to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm, you know, busy writing music X, and I suddenly read something um, that, I don't know, for example, upsets me <laughs> and I sort of delete what I wrote or I don't delete it, I, I put it somewhere else for for future use um, and then I just go on a rant. Um, there's tons of engagement on that. Yeah, But I, I also think that's because it's open, right? It's more open-ended. Mm. You can't expect many people to kind of sit down and take the time to engage with whatever it is that you put out into the world um and if you do and it's this kind of more thought-out finished product basically Mm -hmm. um then it's much more easy for people to kind of accept that and move on Mm -hmm. whereas if it's this kind of more open-ended thing or something that they can kind of put something of their, themselves into, then it's mm-hmm. much easier for people to kind of engage with it. it takes mm-hmm. less energy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's a lot, a lot in that, um, and there's a lot of value in creating spaces where people do kind of
0: engage more thoughtfully with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, and that's. That's you know that's something I experience a lot too in writing you know fifteen hundred word piece or something and uh, it can it can get less engagement than a twenty word tweet <laughs> you know that yeah that, that but a fifteen hundred word else.
1: piece of writing might sort of be more evergreen and you know you f- you find people referencing it two years
0: from now so yeah, totally. staying power in that yeah absolutely and I think you know there's a place for both of these. These types of content and um, yeah, I guess my my hope is that in hopefully championing you know projects Wild Awake and others that are oriented around these like more tight knit you know intimate kind of community building experiences. There's more time. There there are more things designed for that kind of deeper engagement than just you know, for instance, on Twitter, everything's on you know, on level ground, I can tweet, music NFTs are awesome. And I see see these types of tweets a lot. And they'll have 200 likes for some reason. And, and then, you know, a piece like really thoughtful piece that probably took someone, you know, 12 hours to write, one like, you know, so it, it, they're all right next to each other. And they're all, condensed into these, you know, hundred and forty character snippets. And uh you know you know, I wonder if there are ways that we can design to encourage encourage deeper engagement in these these types of social spaces.
1: I mean if you like My favorite record of 2022 was a record by Catherine Joseph which is beautiful, beautiful music. Um everybody should listen to it. But it's also melancholy, sad, you know, it's it's music that you can't just sort of listen to it kind of It grabs you and Hmm. stops you from doing whatever it is that you're doing and makes you listen to the music. So you can't always listen to it, right? Um, Which means that it didn't pop up in my Spotify rap because I didn't listen to it a million times, but I listened to it very intentionally if I did listen to it. Um, So we have this disconnect there at the moment where we say, this is the stuff that you liked because it's the stuff you listen to most. Mm-hmm. But we earlier we were talking about like Alvin Lucier and those kinds of people, right? And mm-hmm. it's also not usually the music that you kind of just like, okay, yeah. don't know what to do. I'm going to put on Alvin Lucier. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. No, you're probably going like, okay, so now I want to have this music because of X, Y, and Z reason. Mm. Um, but that music is super valuable, right? Yeah, That's probably the music you want people to find. Right however many years from now
0: right indeed indeed that's that's actually the perfect segue in into my last question for you you're going to desert island and you get to bring three albums with you what are they
1: (laughs) three 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 that's luxurious (laughs) um i'll take life evil by miles davis nice um and i'll take the downward spiral by nine Inch nails cool and i will bring something that will make me jump up and down <laughs> um, um, I'll, I'll i'll bring another album that makes me jump up and down that makes that's happy and that's sort of
0: uh yeah I can't think of which one Um, that's uh, that's okay to be determined sorry i said that's okay to be determined yeah 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 we we can revisit that for round two whenever that may be sometime down the road (laughs) um cool okay and so yeah martin for anybody listening who might be interested in getting involved with your projects or or just following what you do where is a good place you know for people to do that uh, you can
1: read my newsletter, which is called Music X, musicx.substack.com, or musicx.email if you like nicer looking URLs. <laughs> um, and uh, you follow me on Twitter at wallravenmartin. Um, yeah, I'm I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to know more about Wild Awake, uh, track our mirror so
0: wildawake.mirror.xyz cool awesome we'll go check out everything that that martin is doing they're all they're all great projects um and yeah martin this has been a really you know great conversation Thanks. you know really appreciate you being here awesome thanks for having me absolutely take care all right that's it for this episode of big brother and the hodling company i'm your host mckeegan voice and you can keep up with me and all the latest web3 music trends on twitter at McKeegan. That's M-A-C-E-A-G-O-N. This show is a production of Decentral Media, and you can visit us at decentral.io. And remember, only you can prevent and fend off. Big brother.